Blog Talk Radio. Thank you. 
All right. Anybody else, anything else? My father-in-law, y'all remember to lift him up in prayer as he continues to heal. Um, my brother as well, lift him up in prayer. He's doing well, but he's doing well as he can be, and, and I'm a glorify God for that, but continue to pray. He gets better. Um, anything else before we pray? Yes, sir. Oh, no, you don't. That's for sure. Probably for y'all a safe trip home. All right. Well, let's go to the Lord's Prayer this morning and ask God to meet with us. Richard, lead us in prayer, please. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. 
220. Let's sing, He Leadeth Me. And there's no hiding place 
Amid the crash of the thunder, precious Lord, hear my cry. Keep me safe till the storm passes by.
I doubt we got a lot of George Jones fans in this room, but I will say one good thing about the man. He had a great song he recorded before he died called Choices. And he said, I had choices since the day that I was born. There were voices that tried to teach me right from wrong, and if I'd listened, I wouldn't be here today living and dying with the choices I've made. What a, that's some wisdom right there. That's some wisdom right there. And, you know, you get that wisdom, and you know where he got it? You know where he got that wisdom? Vestal Goodman, a gospel singer, went down and led George Jones to the Lord before he died, and that's where he got the wisdom. It's from God. Amen. He quit drinking, and he got he got saved. He quit drinking. Praise God for that. I ain't going to harp on that this morning. I just thought I'd throw that in. Amen. It wasn't a country music moment this morning. But anyway, let's go to the Word of God this morning. Acts chapter 27. And uh, we're not going to read first because we got so much to read. So we're going to pray first, and we're going to get into the Word of God, and we're going to see what God will teach us this morning. So let's go ahead and pray. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just come before you this morning. I love you so much. Lord, again, you've, you've been so good. You've blessed us. You've met with us already this morning. Lord, we rejoiced in Sunday school over, over a no-so salvation and how the Bible dispels our doubts. And, Father God, I pray this morning as we come to uh, the preaching of God's Word, I pray, Lord, that, that as we look at this, this ship journey that was taken by Paul and, and, and these, these, this large group of people on this sailing vessel, Lord, I pray, Father, you'll help us to see that Lord, we're to, we're to put our faith in you even when we can't tell what the future holds. We're to trust you and not trust our own reasoning, our own senses. Lord, we're to believe on what you've told us and nothing else. Help us to see that and learn from it this morning. Holy Ghost of God, open our understanding and, and feed us and nourish us with the Word of God. We'll give you praise and glory, Jesus, for all that you've done. Thank you for being our Savior. Thank you for dying for sin. Thank you for washing us clean and setting us free. And we'll give you the praise this morning for all of it. Touch us and meet with this man, Holy Ghost of God, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Praise God. We're, again, we're talking about choices this morning. And let me just throw in here as a side note. Some would call this the beginning of the fourth missionary journey of Paul. Others would say this ain't no missionary journey. He was a prisoner. But I dare say it was a missionary journey because he was going back where he was supposed to go to begin with. Amen. I don't know if y'all remember, but God said, no, don't go to Jerusalem, right? Two, over two years ago, Paul made up his mind, I'm going to go do what I want to do. I want to win Jews for the Lord. They are my people. I know God sent me the Gentiles. I've seen a lot of them saved, and I want to go back and see my people saved. Don't care if they kill me. I even say these words, but this was the tone of his message and his actions. I don't care if I die. Matter of fact, I plan to die told the Ephesians, he said, I don't know, you'll never see my face again. He intended with everything in him to go preach to the Jews. They would kill him or they'd get saved one, and that would be the end of it. And that was pretty much the end of what Paul figured his ministry was. Uh, again, his heart, his burden in his heart was so great that he defied God. He defied Almighty God. He defied God's orders. Did I turn that thing on? But he defied God's, God's own directions in order to go back to Jerusalem. And of course, we know what happened. He got there. He was minding his own business, so to speak. And, and the people he had, the, the Jews that had followed him around all over Asia and over into, over into, uh, over into uh, Corinth and that area, they, 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 they saw him there. They, they, they knew it was him, and they started uh, hollering and screaming, "Somebody help! This is the guy!" And uh, you know what happened? He went. He ended up uh, going. 
They had 40 men that was going to kill him. They'd taken a vow. They ended up taking him by armed guard, 470 men, carried him down to Caesarea. And he sat down here in Caesarea. He went very far jump from Jerusalem to Caesarea. He sat here for two years, okay, and, uh, and waiting on, waiting on uh, something, and nothing was happening. God was preparing things. God was making things ready, even though he didn't understand it, even though he couldn't see the whole trip. God knew what he was doing. And, and then Portius Festus came into his office, and of course, you know what happened. And then he sat before Agrippa, and Agrippa told him, they all got together and said, well, you know, this guy, he probably been set free if he had the field of Caesar. You know, it was almost like, well, doggone it. If you just hadn't done it. But you know what? It didn't make any difference. God had a plan. God's plan was for Paul to uh, say, how do you know that? What did God? What did God? What did Christ tell Paul? He's going to appear before governors and kings, right? So what God says is going to come to pass, no matter how He gets there. See, I want you to see in this this morning that God's plans are going to come to pass, because God intended for Paul to go to Rome, didn't He? And Paul said, "Nope, I'm going to Jerusalem." God's still intending for Paul to go to Rome. And you know what? Paul's going to go to Rome. No matter what Paul wants to do, Paul's going to go to Rome. That's just a fact, of, a fact of life because God is in control of things. And I want you to see that even though there are choices, God is in control. Now, so let's get into it and let's read this morning. And it was determined, and when it was determined that we should sail into Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners into one, unto one named Julius, a centurion of August's band. So he's here's one of Nero's men, and he's bringing he's the he's the uh, centurion in charge of this ship full of prisoners. And entering into a ship of Adramitium, we launched, meaning to sail by the coast of Asia. One Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, being with us. So they so they left out they left out of here, Caesarea, and their intention was to, to sail along this, okay? This was their intention, their intended route, to sail close to the shore uh, as they could. Now, and the next day we touched at Sidon, okay? So they, so the next day they sail from here and they went right over here and they, and they brought her into port right here in Sidon. And Julius, again, that centurion, courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go unto his friends and refresh himself. Uh, and when we had launched from thence, we sailed under Cyprus because the winds were contrary. So I know it, it'll tell you in most of your Bible maps that they lived there and they went up here, but that's not where they went. Most Bible scholars don't read the Bible. They just put down what they've been told. So when they left there, they were going to go up around this coast because the winds were blowing contrary to them they, they went underneath this island, is what he's telling us. All right. And when they had sailed over the sea of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lystia. So, again, they left here, they went under the island, and they went right up here, and, and the city of Myra right here. So they sailed up here. All right. And there, the centurion found a ship of Alexandria, Sailing into Italy, and he put us therein. Now he's referring to Alexander the Egypt down here. All right, so over here they run into the ship from Alexandria. I want, I want to tell you something real quick about Alexandria. 
Alexandria, Egypt, is where you get a lot of your uh, your what the what the Romans call the Bible, uh, the Codex Vaticanus and Codex Sinaiticus. Uh, they they come out and do a fall from Alexandria, Egypt. King James Bible, and only all the other Bibles come out of the school of thought that goes from Alexandria to Rome. And the other, the other text, such as where we get the Textus Receptus, where we get the King James Bible, they come, they, they went from Jerusalem right up here to, uh, to Antioch, from Antioch yet. I can't find Antioch for some reason, but it's up here. Anyway, so Antioch is where, here's Antioch right here. Antioch is where the King James Bible comes out of, the rest of them come out of. Alexandria over to Italy, and of course I use that one, but that's neither here nor there, but I just want you to understand that, so you get a little bit of the history. This is kind of a lecture morning as a sermon this morning, and I apologize, but that's just what it is, amen. And when, they, when we had sailed slowly many days, and scarce were come over against Canidus, the wind not suffering us, we sailed under Crete over against Salmoni, all right, so... We're talking about over here. So the wind, the wind is just fighting them the entire time. They're, they're intent. Okay, they were up here, so they're leaving out, and the wind is just fighting them. So they go down under this island of creek right here. All right? So they're right over in this area. Now, it's going to get interesting. Just follow with me. All right? Especially because I know thee to be an ex. Okay. Wait, my page turn. I'm sorry. And when we had sailed many, slowly many days, the scarce were come over against Canidus, the wind not suffering us, we sailed under Crete and over against Salmoni, and hardly passing it, came unto a place which is called the Fair Havens. All right? It's down on the bottom of that island of Crete right here, the Fair Havens. And so they docked there. Where, nigh whereunto was the city of Lacia. All right? And when, now when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and of the ship, but also of our lives. All right. So, again, we're trying to make this journey. We're trying to make this journey all the way up here over to Rome before winter. And he's telling them, he said, that the fast had already passed. And he's talking about... He's talking about a fast that would have occurred somewhere in September, okay? So we're talking about the end of the year. Y'all know it's getting around September, we're getting around colder. The weather's changing. Everything's starting to change. Weather systems are starting to change. You're starting to get a little bit of your early winter weather mixed in. And so they realize these things. They're, they're not on motorboats. They're in the sailing ship. They ain't got nothing but the wind. They're at the mercy of the weather. So they have found themselves over here. I mean, they're kind of out in the very middle of the Mediterranean.
Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than the things which were spoken by Paul. Bad choice number one is, is listening to expert worldly advice. Amen? When God speaks, the last thing you want to do is first time but I'm going to tell you something. There are plenty of them out there. Amen. You can find all kinds of expert advice in your own family. You can find all kinds of expert advice amongst your friends. And you can especially find tons of expert advice on the Internet. And let me tell you, there's plenty of it to go around. But the truth of it is, what God says is all that matters. It doesn't matter if the president, or especially the president, but it doesn't matter if the president, the pope, or, or some other world leader, or some great philosopher said it. If God says don't do it, then listen to God. Amen. I don't care what it is. I'm talking about choices in your life this morning. Paul's done made his choices. These men have done made their choices. We're just reading about their choices. I'm talking about you and me. And we're living in an hour where we're having to make choices. We're having to make serious choices. And we're having to decide which side we're standing on. And I'm going to tell you, you better stick with God, my friend. Don't you dare listen to this world because this world's going to lead you astray. Amen. So let's keep reading here. All right. And then verse 12. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised the the more part advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain to Phoenice, and there to winter, which is a haven of Crete, and lie toward the southwest and the northwest. All right. So. of this passage tells us there were 200, threescore, and 16 souls. So 276 people on that ship. And realize this, most of them were prisoners. Prisoners headed to be tried in Rome. Uh, prisoners headed for prison in Rome. So you had a lot of people on this ship, and they were talking about thinking about staying all winter long with 276 men on a little tiny island. And yes, it would have been difficult. They were wanting to get somewhere where it was a Roman territory where they had Roman uh, government facilities and they had, they had a supply chain in order to make sure these men were well taken care of and also maybe to make sure that they didn't dump a whole boatload of prisoners on a little tiny village for a winter. There's a lot of things to think about. So there were a lot of reasons that the rational brain could say, uh, you know, we, 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 need to, we need to get out of this area. But Paul says, no, stay put. Let's stay put. God wants us to stay put. See, sometimes God will ask you to do things that won't make good sense to you. Maybe it don't look like the best option for you. See, God, I want you to understand something. Jesus said, you know, broad is the way that leads to destruction. It's the easy way. But he said straight and narrow is the way to lead upon the life everlasting. So the, usually the way that God's going to lead you is not going to look like the broad heaven is past. 
God's not going to lead you down the easiest way. The way you walk with God is going to be one where you're going to have to trust him and hold to his hand. Amen. It, the journey's not going to necessarily always be an easy one that doesn't have any any danger to it at all. But but I want you to understand here. A bad thing happened. Bad choice number two. They took a vote. They took a vote. Because the haven was not commodious to winter in the more the more part advised to depart thence also. They took a vote and they said, no, we're going to have to get out of here. Let me tell you something. It's a dangerous thing when you listen to the majority rather than listen to God. And I know somebody might say, well, we live in a, we live in a democratic society where we vote on things and, and, and we're used to that. So why wouldn't we be accustomed to doing that? Because a majority will do the wrong thing. You say, give me some evidence, all right. Well, when, they, when, when the children of Israel put on Egypt and got across the Red Sea, got on the, boat, the majority wanted to go back and be slaves again. They said, you brought us out here in the desert to die. I mean, we remember all those leeks and onions and garlic and melons and everything we ate back to Egypt when we were slaves, and you brought us out here to die. The majority wanted to go back. You can't always trust the majority. Listen, the majority of Israel wanted a king to rule over them so they could be like every other nation on earth. But that didn't work out so well for them, did it? Amen? The majority wanted to stone the woman brought to Jesus, thinking that they acted with those. The majority voted stone her to death. The majority wanted to crucify Jesus. Don't ever forget that. The majority vote ain't necessarily always the best thing. You don't follow your heart. That's the advice of the hour. Follow your heart. You don't follow your heart. You follow the Spirit of God. You listen to what God has to say. So let's keep reading. Verse 13. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. You see that soft wind, that's just that's the way the devil wants. He wants you to get to thinking you're doing right. The devil will give you enough rope to hang yourself with. I don't know if, you, if you've experienced that or not, but he'll give you enough rope. He'll make it look good until he'll get you out. He'll get you out away from safety and then drop the hammer on you. And that's exactly what he was doing to them. He, they, they didn't listen to God. They said, no, let's sail. So the soft wind blew from the south. Here they come. And that's out of here. And the soft wind blew. So they just kept it on the floor. Oh, we make it. We make it. Bad decision. Bad decision. So, not long, not long after there, there arose it, against it a tempestuous wind called Euroclidon. Sounds like a bad joker. I don't know what Euroclidon is, but I mean, it sounds a whole lot worse than they name them like Wilma and Harry now. No, this was a hurricane. I do believe with all my heart this was a hurricane, and I believe it because of the description that they gave. You understand, this is not a cruise ship out in the ocean. This is not an ocean liner. This is a small, small boat. I mean, 276 men in it. But you got to understand, the ships back in those days were not built by They weren't built for a big ship. You know, the Nina, the Vista, and the Santa Maria were only about 30 to 40 foot long. The ships that, that Columbus sailed over here. The, the ships back then were not giant, huge sailing vessels. So I'm assuming this is not a huge vessel that they're in. 
and they're out in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea, and you're real quiet and it's bearing down upon them. They got out too far, he couldn't do nothing about it, and all of a sudden the wind changed. The north wind started blowing. And when the ship was caught, that means they wouldn't know where it could go. It wasn't making progress. It stopped. Its progress was stopped. The ship was caught, sailed going backward. They could not bear up into the wind. We let her drive. He said, when that happened, we just had to let her go wherever she wanted to go. We let go of the wheel. There was no choice. There was no point in trying to, trying to drive because we had no choice. And running under certain island, which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by the boat. So they ran. I don't know where Claude is here. I really couldn't catch him, but she's right here somewhere. And oh, here he is. I'm sorry. Here he is. There's Claude way down here in the little spot. So they went down. They, 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 again, the sound winds were blowing. Remember, they, they left here and they were going to sail around over here somewhere. But when they got over around here, the wind come down out of the north and hit And they couldn't go anywhere. So they finally got up into that island. And he said, we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship. He said, what does that mean? What I'm trying to tell you is they, 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 they got us the back of the ship, and they let a rope down on either side, and they walked it up underneath the ship, and then they brought it over the top, and they tied it together and cinched it to hold the boards from separating and the boat, boat coming apart. They had to tie ropes around the boat to hold the boat together in the, in the waves that they were riding up in one and bang, crashing, riding up one, bang, crashing down over and over and over. They weren't in control of the ship. They just at the mercy from one wave top to the next wave top. 276 men going, whoa, crash, and screaming all the way down. You don't understand. These men were losing their minds at their wits' end, thought they were all going to die. And the Bible said, In fearing lest they should fall into the quicksand, strike sail, and so were driven. So they run the sail up. John is just trying to get out of uh, crashing the ship. And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest. The next day they lighted the ship. It was it was so crazy. They they tried they threw some of their burdens out. By the way, there was a, it was a wheat ship. It was carrying wheat, and they started throwing the food out, just trying to make the ship lighter, trying to hopefully keep from capsizing. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. That's what they used to raise the sails with. You know, it's gotten desperate now. They're just trying to survive. It's no longer a a, a hope of sailing like we intended to to our port. It was just a matter of let's get out of this alive. So they threw the tackling of the ship out. And verse 20 said, And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay upon us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. That's pretty bad you got in the middle of the sea. And you can't tell if it's day or night. That's a bad storm you're in. They're in the middle of a hurricane. They're trying to survive a hurricane in a, in a small wooden vessel in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea with no no sail. Can you imagine? 276 of them. Probably chained up and everything else. I mean, who knows what kind of conditions they were in. 
bad choice number three, we just read it. The bad choice number three, they took matters into their own hands. They said, if we don't, if we don't get this win out of here, we're going to die. If we don't get this tackling out of here, we're going to die. we got to do something. Let's do something. You know, oftentimes the best thing to do is be still when you don't know what to do. Oftentimes you make terrible decisions. You ever heard don't ever make decisions in the middle of a crisis? You make bad decisions. So they'd already made three bad choices. They listened to an expert. They took a majority vote, and now they took matters into their own hands. Three things you don't ever do when you're trying to listen to God. But here they are doing it. So they've done everything that they can do. They have tried everything that they can do, and they are sure that they're going to die. Okay? So here we are. Good choice number one. Look at verse 21. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me <laughs> and have not loosed from Crete and have gained this harm and loss. Y'all should have listened to me. I, told, I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. Right? Amen. He had a good, he had a good reason to stand up and say so at this point. Amen. He kept his mouth shut until all hope was lost. And now he stands up and he said, you should have listened to me. And I listen to what he says. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. Oh, really? Listen to what he said. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. Good choice number one. Let's wait on God. Let's seek his guidance. Amen. We've, we've done everything we know how to do. We've done messed up. Let's, let's, let's give God a chance. Amen? All right? And he said, now I exhort you. Listen, I exhort you to be a good cheer. There shall no loss of any man's life be among you. We're going to lose the ship, but nobody's going to die. So he's saying, listen, let's listen to God and let's trust his plan. Amen? You say, well, I, it looks terrible. Yeah, but you trusted everything else and it ain't worked out for you, has it? Why not give God a chance? Why not let God try to let God try to work it out for you? Just see if God can do what God says He can do. Amen. Let's just give God a chance. Now it ain't going to go like you want, fellas. You ain't going to get out of here with your boat. Your boat's going to be a loss, but you know what? You're going to live. All right. Look at verse twenty-three. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whose I, whom I serve. Jesus, He's saying. You see that? Whose I am and whom I serve. He's saying, Jesus appeared to me in the night. And here's what he said. He said, fear not, Paul, for thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all of them that are with thee. Paul, it's going to be all right. I'm going to make sure you're taken care of. He said, wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe, God, that it shall be even as it was told me. Howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. So, now, I'm going to show you where this island is. The island, well, I ain't got it on this map, so I got it on this one. Might have it on this one. They go to the Isle of Malta. Yeah. So, again, they're over, they're over, over here in the middle of it, in this, and they're going to land up and see this. They left there, and they're going to drift all the way over here to the Isle of Malta. They're drifting completely at the mercy of the sea. They're not in control of anything. Paul said we're going to have to trust God. 
You know what? That's that, that's kind of a scary thought. Again, they have no they have no, no ropes, no pulleys, no nothing. Oh, they, they don't even have to sail. They don't their sails are gone. I mean, from, okay, I guess they have one sail left that they're going to use. But they, everything's gone. They are completely, they might as well be floating in a bathtub. They got nothing steering them but God. Some people can't do that. Some people have a very great difficulty in that. Some people, even when they have lost after all their great efforts, they still fail to put it in God's hands. But you see, again, all hope was lost. There was no, there was no light at the end of the tunnel. When Paul stood up and said, listen, we're going to have to do this God's way. And if we do it God's way, we're going to survive. And they had to totally take their hands off of everything. All right, so let's look here in verse 27. But after the 14th night, when the 14th night was come, and we were driven up and down in Adria, the Adriatic Sea, about midnight the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country. So they've been out there 14, 14 nights. That's a long time. That's two weeks. Good night. That's that's a lot of days and nights. That's a lot of questions. That's a lot of sunrises and sunsets. Or I guess you couldn't see them. It really didn't matter. But that's that's a lot of time to sit and think about things. So they 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 thought they was coming close to some country, and they sounded. And the way they sounded, you don't know what that means. They they took a rope. They had knots, and they had a weight at the end, and they would lower that rope down. And when it hit the bottom, they count the the knots on the way up. Fathoms or whatever. Yeah, they, they were checking to see how deep it was. And uh, so they, they, they're doing that, and they're finding it gets shallower and shallower. So they found it the second time, 15 fathoms. Then fearing that we should have fallen upon rocks, they said, hey, we're getting close. They cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. So we're going to wait and see what happens. We'll see what we're near in the morning. Now, verse 30. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, so some of those sailors, they said, we're getting out of here. We're close to land. We're getting off the ship. And they were about to flee out of the ship when they had let down the boat into the sea under the color as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship. They let that little lifeboat on there. So they're up there acting like they're throwing anchors out, and they're sneaking up there trying to let the lifeboat down. They're going to get out of there. Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. If these guys get out of here, we're all going to drown. God said, stay in the ship. God said, stay with the ship. There's a message right there. Amen. If you get out of the ship, you're going to drown. Amen. Stay in the ship. Amen. The Lord is the ship. We're to stay in. Amen. We're not to wander from his word. We're not to wander from his plan. And they were getting out of the ship, and he said, don't do it. Ain't nobody going to make it if they do it. And then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. Bad choice number four. Don't take your eyes off the Lord. Don't panic. Amen? Don't panic. Trust God no matter what, how it looks before your eyes. No matter how long you've been wandering. No matter how long you feel like you've been away from God. Don't ever take your eyes. Don't ever turn from God. Amen? Trust the Lord when you can't see. All right, verse 33. We're going to see good choice number three. And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat. They said, we've got to eat something, guys. This day is the 14th day that you've tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. 
So all that time they'd been fasting, seeking, seeking God to save them. I know that's why they were fasting. Wherefore, I pray you to take some meat, for this is for your health. You've got to eat something. For there shall not a hair fall from the head of any of you. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then were they all of good cheer, and they all took some meat. And there were all, they were in all the ship, 200, threescore, and 16 souls. So 276 men. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and cast out the wheat into the sea. And when it was day, they knew not the land. They had no idea where they were at, but they discovered a certain creek with a shore, and into which they were minded, if it were possible, to thrust in the ship. And then when they, and when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves unto the sea and loosed the rudder bands and hoisted up the mainsail to the wind and made toward shore. So well, they, 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 they loosened their rudders. So they're just letting the ship... They're just letting the ship go. They're letting it go forward. They hoisted up their sail. They saw they saw a little little place where two of the two of the shores came together, and they said that's where we're going. So they they they, they pulled everything loose and raised what sail they had, and they said everything want everything right for that one spot right there. So they sailed that sucker in, and they came into that place, and it hit something. It stuck. We're going to read about that. It stuck. The Bible said it, and and. And falling, verse 41, and falling into a place where the two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the forepart stuck fast and remained unmovable. It got jammed up in rocks or something. But the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. So you got the front part, it's stuck, and it ain't moving. And the ship back there, it just keeps coming up and down with the waves, and that ship just starts cracking, and the ship breaks into pieces. And the soldier's counsel, look here, was to kill the prisoners. Lest any of them should swim out and escape. Y'all remember the Philippian jailer? He was about to take his own life. Remember? Because you lose one of the prisoners, you lose your life. So these men, here they are, the ship's breaking apart. And they said, hey, there's 276 people on this ship. Somebody's going to escape, and we're all going to get killed. Let's kill them right now. And the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that they could swim. They which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. And the rest, some on boards, some on broken pieces of the ship, and so it came to pass that they escaped all safely, safe to land. By the way, I just want to throw this in as a side item here, verse 44. There's a lot of churches that have a lot of boards and committees. This only boards you see in the Bible. The whole Bible. And most boards, uh, like mission boards, I, I was listening to a missionary yesterday talking about this verse. He said, you know, it's a shame, but most mission boards just take. They just take, take, take. He said, and you can't find me one mission board in the entire Bible. It ain't scripture. He said, so, he said, you know, the only boards in the Bible that helped a missionary, they helped a missionary. It didn't take from the missionary. Amen. We need to stay with what's Bible, what's scriptural. Hey, I, I'm all for missions, but I don't think we ought to send our money to a, a headquarters somewhere that don't do much. But, I won't, but I, that's not what I came to tell you. They made good choices when they trusted God. They made terrible choices when they trusted themselves. But the, the message is neither of these. 
the message is a God who had it all in control the whole time. I want us to look back and I want you to see this. Regardless of the fact that Paul said, God, I'm not going to do what you say, but I want to. God had plans for Paul in Rome. And he said, Paul, you're going to Rome. Even though Paul said, no, I'm going to Jerusalem. God said, no, you're going to Rome. And God made sure. God sat him down for two years and made him wait sit still for two years. But God made sure he went to Rome. Amen. God is in control. Again, I want you to look at verse 3. We're going to look at a few verses and we're going to the house. Verse 3. Look at verse 3. In the middle of all this, in the middle of all these choices that Paul and these men had to make, look at a sovereign God. Verse 3. And the next day we touched at Sidon, and Julius courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go unto his friends and refresh himself. When a, when a person's in the military, in the Navy, and their, their ship docks, they're given leave or liberty. That means you report back at this certain time, but until between now and then, you've got liberty to go and do as you please. That's what this, this centurion gave Paul. Now, can that seem odd? Do you know that didn't happen? You know it wasn't a common occurrence? occurrence? Uh, Julian was not necessarily somebody who, who had, I guess, had been very close to Paul, but he was so taken with, with his manner of speech, he must have been so taken with his character that he, he, he realized and recognized that this is a godly man who wasn't going to do him wrong. It's amazing to me that God, in the middle of him being a prisoner on a prisoner ship, saw fit to let him go and refresh himself amongst his friends. God is sovereign and in control in the midst of things that are out of control. The second point I want you to see is verse 23 is that God, in the middle of all the chaos that they were going through, God appeared to Paul to comfort him and remind him that I'm in control of this. There stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. God, again, God didn't leave him on his own. God let him know it's going to be all right. God's saying, I'm in control, Paul, no matter what else. And then we look at verse 43, the centurion willing to save Paul kept them from their purpose. All those prisoners were going to die. But because God is sovereign and in control, he, he laid it on that centurion's heart. This is a godly man who needs to get where he's going. And for his sake, he spared Paul, and by doing so, spared all those other men. God was in control, even when men had other plans. And again, verse 44, And the rest, some on board, some on broken pieces of ship, and so it came to pass that they escaped all safely to land. 276 men in a, in a wind-powered vessel in the middle of the Adriatic Sea in a hurricane survived. And not one was hurt. How? By the power of God. And, I, and what, what I get from this, I get from this, this message. It don't matter what kind of storm you're facing. It don't matter how bad it is. It doesn't matter if it, if it looks like you ain't going to make it. Don't try to handle it. Let God handle your storm. Amen? It's like we sang just before we preached. Keep me safe till the storm passes by. Amen? He's the master of the storm. God uses the storm. God, God taught Paul in the storm to trust me, and I'm going to get you to where I want you to go. Amen? I got a purpose, and you're going to fulfill it. Trust me and keep your eyes on Jesus. Let's stand together.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.